Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are answering listeners' questions, and we go through some of the most popular questions we've had in the recent few months. So, let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good evening, my brother. I'm okay. Yeah. How are you? You missed one last week, didn't we? we you were on holiday. Well, I was ready to do it, even though I was on holiday. Yes, that's uh, right. I got off I early was, uh, on holiday, and then you you didn't do it. You said you could, you know you had a headache. I think I think I had a migraine, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we missed it. Difficult. It's always difficult on August, isn't it? Everybody's all over the place doing different things. Well, I was committed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, but uh, even though I'm in New Zealand, it is not. It's not like time we go on holiday here because I'm English. It's in August, I kind of still feel like I should be on holiday, even yeah. though it's the middle of winter. It's just it's we just should the way all be... just take August off. The whole of, yeah, the whole of the world. Meet Apart halfway from in the tourists in Hawaii, so we can all go on holiday, yeah. and then there's no and this year we're gonna... Yeah. True. <laughs> work in a hotel yeah. um anyway today we're going to do um we haven't done one of these for ages actually it's a listeners question um episode because there's been lots of questions in the facebook groups and lots of questions coming through the email and we there's there's been quite a lot of themes around them so we thought we'd pick uh, one or two uh, different questions uh, on different topics and um just get into them um, and they're, they're actually one of the most popular art, uh, episodes, so um, they're quite nice and easy to do as well for us. So, should we, um, yeah. should we just go into the questions we selected? Yeah. So you, said, um, well, there was one that Tom yeah. Tom asked. Tom Bron asked yeah. today in the group, and he said, he said, um, so I have a question. We have we have a blog alongside our, tro- our shop that brings in a lot of traffic. In fact, it's it's our, our top. It's in our top five performing pages. Uh, it's massively skewing our conversion rates. You know, what do, what do we do? You know, what do we do with the, the blog traffic? You know, A, and, and it, the question goes on, and he's basically, Tom is basically saying that, you know, it, it, A, it's skewing my conversion rate figures. So when I do my target sheet, you know, my conversion rate looks really low because I've got loads of blog traffic. And, and B, you know, I know everybody's telling me I should be trying to convert the, the blog traffic into revenue and you know what what should i do should i be worried about it and i actually answered this question before and i was saying well you know you, in certain industries you get you get some amazing blog traffic i mean you know we've got we've got clients who are gardeners and and selling gardening products and golf products and you get loads of natural SEO blog traffic, you know, people are Googling, you know, how do I grow a hydrangea brush or why is my rose bush dying or how do I water my lawn? And there's all sorts of, you know, natural questions. And, and of course it does, it does look like your conversion rates lower, 
but I I tend to not worry about it too much. And I think there's two things. Um, it's it's a big ask if you're trying to get people who are googling how do I grow my how do I, you know when should I water my lawn? To, you're drinking water. Yeah, it's loud. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. It's fine. And um, so it's a big it's a big ask if you trying to get people you know, who's going from a blog page to actually go and buy something. And I think actually the better thing to do is try to get the email. So try to use, use your blog traffic to get your database bigger. And so that's when you'd put your, your hook for getting your email, whatever it might be, exclusive access to early bird offers, you know, big offer architecture, um, you know, access into you know, clearance areas, or whatever it might be. You're better off trying to get your audience bigger and so you can then trigger your behavioral based abandonment emails and you can build your, your email database that's what i always think because it's it's very difficult to say oh yes well we'll, we'll, we'll weave products into that blog page blog page and they're going to magically buy well if they're just not ready to buy so you stand a better chance probably of trying to grow your email database and then i think from a numbers perspective don't worry about it like if you know if it's free you're getting free traffic coming to your blog and it might look like your conversion rate's low, but it doesn't matter because it's free. You know, I only care about conversion rate really if it's a paid channel and I'm bothered about ROAS. That's what I'm mm. mostly concerned about. So I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. And, but obviously, you know, you can try to leverage that SEO blog page by trying to you know, use it to, to boost the rest of the site from an SEO perspective. But that's what I said. I said basically don't worry about it and try and get emails. Yeah. I, I think the, the couple of points on my side – First of all, it's going to really depend on what the blog articles are that are getting traffic. So, you know, there are some blog to- topics that are more transactional than others. So, for example, one of our big customers, one of their big blog articles is how to repair a suit, and they sell suits. But if someone's looking to repair a suit, they're unlikely wanting to actually buy a suit. So it's very difficult for us to, you know, turn that blog article into something that's very transactional. Um, and you know you don't really know you're, you're going to be writing lots of blog articles around a theme, and some of them will blow up and get a lot of traffic. Doesn't necessarily mean that that traffic is very transactional. So you know, well, it often isn't. I mean, it, you know, when you look at your bounce rates in in Google Analytics for blog pages, they're normally like ninety ninety four percent. Yeah, you know, so mid nineties, and it's like, well, the, you know, they're bouncing off. And what's funny, I think. Is it go, you know, back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, you know, and we were probably guilty of this as well. When we were, when we were running e-commerce um, sites, we would do SEO at the Twitter. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do loads of blog posts and we're going to, you know, we're going to get them ranking really high because we're, you know, going to get loads of natural traffic. And it was utterly pointless because, mm. you know, we, we might have spent years writing these blog posts, you know, spend you know three years waiting for some magic time when you're going to get loads of natural SEO traffic and all that happens is they land on the blog page and they bounce it they bounce at 95 percent. so what was the point so yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter but if you've got it you know if you've naturally got something that people are searching for you've got a page that people you know it, it doesn't it doesn't do the site any harm it doesn't. And I think it's like whether you should blog or not. I think if you're a natural, a good blogger, 
and you can write good content nice and easy and you enjoy it, then it can be something that can be part of the sales cycle that brings people in. But it's less likely to become something that actually really drives mm. a huge amount of, of revenue. A lot of the time it used to be, but it, it, it basically the internet used to be blogs and then it moved over yeah. to YouTube. Well, there was that, Mif- exactly, there was that whole, but, but again, you know, there, there, was a, there was a default feeling that you had to write loads of blog articles, wasn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. That was and that was the thing you did, wasn't that it? Was what everybody everybody, had everybody to... did. But if you think yeah. about it, in that in that example there, you just given, you know, that how do I repair a suit? It's completely the opposite of the person you want to buy mm. a suit. Mm. You know, yet it was, you know, it was it was considered. Oh well, of course, you know, if we get right good good blog articles, we're going to get great rankings. Well, obviously, it doesn't work. So. Anyway, yeah, and the best SEO, the best SEO, if we look at the, the sites that got best SEO, are ranking for the categories. And that's really yeah. what you want to rank in e commerce because the SEO search terms that will come to the category pages will be much more transactional rather than yeah. how do I repair a suit? It's like, where do I buy the best suits and things well, like that? Those, those will be the things that are landing on, on the category pages. Yeah. That's a very good point, actually. That, um, and the site that I always reference when I talk about that is um, a website called lights.co.uk. And they're mm. actually a German company. But if you go to lights.co.uk and go to one of their categories like outdoor lighting, for example, and go to you know, a normal product listing where you've got products on it, um, you will see at the bottom and the left-hand side loads of frequently asked questions they've added onto that category page, like collection page. And there's two great things about it. A, it's great for you because know, you're right. You want people to come to the category page rather than some obscure blog page um, because you've got the products there right in front of people. Much more likely for them to browse naturally rather than just bouncing off. And but the um, what they've done as well is that they've used the the Google schema. So you know when you go into Google and you search for a, you know let's say you search for outdoor lighting, you get these little questions that come up. You know, and it might be, what's a good outdoor light, you know, or do I, do you, is it, what what lights are waterproof I can put? I said, whatever, you know, there's questions, isn't there? You see that mm. in Google. And if you, that that's, you know, that's the particular, you know, Google um, uh, schema. And you just tag it in the right way. It's dead easy to do. And then you've got a chance of coming up for the for the little questions. You know, yeah, they're called, to get an answer in um, they're there. called FAQ snippets. Yeah. Um, FAQ snippets go down there. And what you're doing for the category is you're creating the category for Google as a hub page for all the search terms around that that are transactional. And they can work, they can work really, really well. And we did a whole workshop on it for the for the implementation program a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, which and that's, you know, that's pretty much the mm. biggest change that we've seen to e-commerce SEO, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think and, that if I'm optimizing something for SEO, I'm really just looking at categories now. Most of the time, yeah. that's all I'm looking for, and I want to yeah. optimize. You know, it's not my, you know, I, you know, like on the demo site that, that we're running, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna add a blog. It's just not gonna be no, part of the, no. the the thought. You know, it's you see uh, it quite a lot, don't you? you see, and, you know, we, we've we've worked with loads of cook, uh, cookware kitchen um, mm. websites selling, you know, pots and pans and things, and they, you know, they all have these recipes, and they get, and they rank really high. They, you know, they get loads of traffic for recipes. But again, you know, it's like, what do you do with it? You know, it bounces yeah. at 95%. So, 
you know, but having, it's there, you'll take it. Yeah. Having said that, there will be people listening to this who make a lot of money from their blogs. There are the odd exceptions where you're in the right market, where it needs to be really yeah. educated and people need to research something and they need to kind of get the trust for something and they go, oh, these people really know what they're doing. And then they will, they will come and buy. But it's become much rarer than, um, than it used to be. So it really depends on, on on what you're doing so i just don't, thought i'd put in that caveat yeah. as well it's kind of just covering yourself then mark yeah well in case yeah. someone's screaming at the, at the yeah. podcast saying you're, you're idiots wrong. you're idiots but you know i do yeah. see it we do see some blog driven yeah. e-commerce sites still but it's much rarer um yeah than than we're doing yeah it's not, it's we, not a magic magic one. yeah next question so james yeah, yeah james bauer was talking about generally his question was about SMS marketing and he was basically saying that he's seen that some companies, I think it was a Procter and Gamble deodorant site, was offering an incentive to get the SMS to get the text the your phone number so they could send an SMS. Mm. And basically it was just a question generally about SMS and and where because we're seeing it a lot more. So in America it, there seemed to be further ahead using SMS marketing. Obviously SMS marketing in the UK was quite popular about 10 years ago maybe longer 15 years ago and it just died and no, we used to do a lot with it didn't we we were actually did yeah, the did. sms for the world cup football match and um yes yeah. what was it bbc was that relief comic relief, comic relief. yeah comic yeah, relief it was a find your nearest yeah, yeah it was good. we were we're helping people find their nearest um mile where they could run their mile and and that was huge uh back then but that was you know like that was back before People could go on the internet and look things up. No one had internet, did they? And that was that was when it was big. And it, but then it became, it became, it, it became too successful for its own good. And there was lots of subscription services, and people got um, burnt by subscribing to things and couldn't unsubscribe. Yeah. And it kind of got really, um, yeah, it kind of got overdone. And and a lot of people kind of got uh, burnt by it. But now, that's, I mean, that must be. Oh, that must be twenty years ago now. Yeah, and it would you, be. It'd be twenty you know, years ago. Yeah. People in the market that wouldn't have been affected by that, um, by those that 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 time, and therefore they're coming in, and SMS is being used in a different way. And you're kind of seeing this resurgence of it, and it is very effective. Um, so yeah, you know, if you're using well, Clavio, can. I think if you've got, I think if you've got the, if you've got a really good loyal customer base. And you want to you want to touch your most loyal customers and get more and get more out of them. You know, obviously, you know it's a it's a fantastic touch point that you won't be touching. At the yeah. Moment. What I like to use it for is so I'll be using the email a lot and and blasting out and doing those different things and my behavioural emails. But when I have my um, like signature sale event, such as like a Black Friday event or maybe my mid season sale. I then might augment that with my SMS because that's the time when I really want to punch through. And, and you know, I run some businesses that, you know, might do 85% of the sales during um, Christmas. And that's the time I want to punch through the crowd because that's the time when I have the most leverage to kind of do the most revenue. And that's when I'll be using SMS. But I wouldn't be using it mm. every week because people would just opt out when it wasn't busy and they weren't interested and, uh, you know, I, I'm effectively keeping my powder dry. Um, and I was just going to say, if you're using something like Clavio on the, um, when people are signing up for the, the email on the net, you can have a next step and they can give you your, your SMS. It's very easy to do these days. Um, yeah. 
I the other thing, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to definitely ask people for their permission. Obviously, you can't. Mm. You know, I would think it would be wrong just to take the mobile phone numbers that you've got, you know, from from your orders and and start sending them a text message. That 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 wouldn't seem right, personally. Mm. It would seem, you know, not treating the customer with respect, which of course you've got to at all times. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot more personal the text message. Um, and the thing is, like everything, if everybody starts overdoing it, it will become. It'll, it'll lose its um, it'll lose its voice, but it, it is very effective at the moment. Um, so mm. yeah, I, I I think bring it into the mix and use it for use it for people who um, you know want to yeah. be communicated to, but don't don't overdo and, it. And, and obviously, you know, in terms of its effectiveness, it's like saying, well, how effective is email? Mm. You know, obviously it depends on your 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 message. It depends on how your customer loyalty. It depends on what your offer architecture is like. You know, are they warmed up? Do they know you, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, it would be interesting to look at some stats to see how it compares against email in the same company for the mm. same uh, customer database. Well, what most companies seem to be doing is sending an SMS and an email together at the same time to launch a campaign. Well, it's like know, integrated. It's an other. integrated message, and, isn't and it? You know if you what? see it and on... That, and that was like, sorry to say one thing, that was like very much when we, we, when we still do have lots of customers that use direct mail as well as email. Mm. You know, it's a catalog, brochure drops. And it was always, you got, the, you got by far the best response if you hit this, the same person twice. So, you know, you send the brochure and the email series at the same time. You wouldn't just do one or the other. Mm. You'd do both. And it's the same thing there. So you do, you do email and SMS at the same time. It's because it, 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 in the human's mind, then it becomes more believable if they see the same offer in multiple channels because then it feels bigger and then it feels like a bigger event and therefore it feels like something they need to act on. So if they see it on email and then they go onto Facebook and they see it on there and then they see it on you know Remarketed to and then they get an SMS about it and then they get something in the post, you know it feels like a big event that is happening and therefore this is the time to buy something from from that company. So that's how mm. it kind of works. It kind of just builds up until a point when you're very well, familiar build, with it. Well, it builds up, but it also, it also addresses the fact that, you know, you, you, you need to nudge people multiple times to get a response mm. because, you know, they might look at the email launching your new spring sale, your new or autumn winter is more relevant now. And you, know, but at that time, you know, they're stressing about something else, you know, they're stressing about going back to work or getting the kids back to school or whatever it is. And, and so, you, you know, you have to you have to hit them multiple times to get yeah. a response. And, the second you know, time don't worry. Familiarity well, with just, it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I think that's the, you know, the worry of, of over-emailing. You know, you, know, it, it, you know, obviously, if you have the certain times in the year and certain behaviors where you can email much, much more, and, you know, there's always a fear of emailing too much at the times, but mm. we see the biggest difference between the big e-commerce brands and the smaller e-commerce brands from an email perspective is they email so much more, mm. like so much more, and you always seem to get much more out of it if you. Eat. But I think you've got you, you know, you've got to know when to email. So you know the the, the best times to email typically are. I you know b- browsing you've got their email and they're, and they you know they've added to basket so they're not they've not yet bought recently you've not yet bought and just bought mm. you know they're like the hot 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 
times, yeah. and that's when I think SMS would work. I mean, I personally, I think from an SMS perspective, I would say start sending it as a post-purchase sequence. So you, mm. they have bought something, and you're and obviously you email them with the you know hey you know we're so proud that you've bought from us you know as a thank you you know etc cetera, etc cetera, and a whole post-purchase sequence. I think you do the same thing with the text message saying hey. You know, it's awesome to have you on board. Just, just a reminder that you've got a twenty pound to spend. You know, with yeah. us over the next six weeks, whatever it might be. It's, or, it's, it or, makes or it start, hit them when they're hot. Or start them with the, you know, like start them with an order order confirmation one or a order dis- dispatch. If you can do that, then they get used yeah. to giving sent SMS from you. They think, well, that was makes sense. They're sending me some good information that I actually want to know. Yeah, and they like and, it, don't they? And, and it opens threatened. up the conversation, isn't it? It's like it's it's a different. Yeah, it's a different thing. It's not you're not kind of selling them something else straight away. You're kind of helping them, and then you go, oh, by the way, you've got your your voucher that you that you claimed and you earned, and would you like to use it before it runs out? Can be quite quite useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, sounds good. Do you want to do the next question? Yes, I do. Um, so James, no, we've done that one. So uh, Otis, Otis was talking about performance max. And actually, it was a question that you that he asked on the group, and you answered it. And then you said, "Oh, actually, no, I didn't quite say that right." Mm. So, so he was saying, moving over to performance max, it asks for lots more assets, um, and you know, do I have to put them in? You know, so that's, so people are asking this quite a lot, aren't they? Yeah. So, I, 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 basically, the, our advice at the moment is when you upgrade from smart shopping to performance max. Um, you you don't put in any audience signals so there's two different areas there's there's the assets which are the the images and the videos and the 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 copy that you've got to put in there and there's asset groups and you can have asset groups inside a performance max campaign like per category like men's suits men's jackets men's trousers those kind of things um and then you can have audience signals and the audience signals might be um, you know, go after people who've recently searched on Google for men's suits. You know, go after people who've recently searched on Google for blue suits. And you can have all those keywords together that would make sense. So there's a lot of different audience signals you can target, different audiences, in-market audiences, which are people who have shown that they're looking for a suit or looking for to buy a holiday, or um, affinity segments, which are people who are always interested in tennis um, and different things like that. But when you are upgrading from Smart Shopping to Performance Max, you don't want to add any audience signals in at the beginning because you want Google to use the history from the Smart Shopping campaign. But the mistake I made when I was uh, answering that very quickly the other night was that you have to put in some assets um, because by default you need to have the images and some of the, the copy uh, the headlines and the descriptions uh, by default. So you, you you want to kind of, if you're upgrading, you might want to have a look at the adverts that you've got there and just tweak them a little bit so they make sense. But you don't want to be leading with lots of different asset groups from the start or lots of different uh, audience signals from the start because you want it to kind of bring over a lot of the signals and a lot of the, the history from the, the existing smart shopping campaign so that you're leaving it kind of... Um, quite uh, naked basically so it's using that data once it's got a bit of data and you've got some conversions usually around if you've got like you know 30 to 100 conversions is when you start seeing things 
come up in the insights. Now, there's an insight section in Performance Max, and it'll start showing you the type of keywords and the type of audiences that it think you might uh, might do well in. Uh, and then you can use that information to start splitting things out a little bit further. Um, and we see that Performance Max can have a bit of a rocky start uh, sometimes, but over time when it learns, most of the accounts are actually doing uh, as well as they did in smart shopping, if not a little bit better. But there are some accounts which are uh, which are struggling more. But the, the, the difficulty is, is if you go straight away and start adding all those asset groups and those um, those audience signals, then Google's going to go and try and use those straight away. And it's like um, in the in a Google AdWords account, you've got things, um, you know, you had campaign types like discovery and you had campaigns like display. And uh, if you were using a discovery campaign in Google, you might have to spend $6,000 over a period of two months, two, three months to learn to get anything, and you have to take that pain. We don't really want to take that pain um, in in our kind of shopping campaigns because we don't want it to kind of start spending there in, in, in spite of the normal Google shopping. So we have to be careful that we don't give Google too much to play with at the beginning. Um, otherwise, it can go and spend a lot of money on stuff that um, it's experimenting with when we actually wanted to get the... Um, sales. So that's kind of our official um, answer to that question at the moment. That's a good question. Good answer, Mark. I thought Thank you, you. disappeared then. I thought you'd gone. No, I realised I was on I was on mute. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. I just thought I'd just send you to sleep. <laughs> well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was useful. It is it's a good, good topic. Right, should we do the next one? Yeah, let's do the next one. Um, Okay, well, the next one is generally just about lots of people. Lots of people are asking us about this, and it's and lots of people are talking about it, and we are aware. Lots of people are talking about it, and we're aware we need to do something about it. It's GA four, mm. so this is the new Google Analytics, and what and um, and the reason why we haven't publicly said anything about it yet is because we're putting together a big training topic on it and what to do, and because we're still figuring out exactly what we want. Um, GA4 to be set up like and and where we get our normal stats from and I think what is interesting is when I had a chat with a, an e-commerce brand last week and they were saying oh well we, you know, we, we don't want uh, the old Google Analytics on we just want GA4 on because that's the new one so it's obviously better so we, 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 we want that one and I was like no no you don't because you're going to miss out on so much. It's not the same thing. And you'll essentially it's coming. So we know, we know it's a question that lots of people are asking, Mm. but we'll put something together that, that is useful, logical, common sense cuts through the BS because there's a lot of BS out there. I was reading articles on LinkedIn saying that, you know, how, you know, bounce rate is a, is a useless statistic and no one should listen to it and it's not even there in GA4 so it's pathetic and we're like don't just you know there's a lot of buzzwords there's a lot of shiny distractions going on about GA4 most of it is is you know bullshit yeah and um, so we'll come up we'll come up with something that's going to cut through the bullshit and tell you honestly and openly exactly what we think What's a waste of time? What's that up? Here's my view on it. And I think people should understand the kind of person that I am. I am am like 
I'm always like a bit like an old dog learning new tricks. Like, like you should you should have seen the tantrum that I threw when Google AdWords converted from the old interface to the new interface, and I was throwing my toys out the plan, uh, pan uh, pram, and um, I was like, I'm not, I can't use it, I can't blah 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 blah, because I'd use it for so many years, and then I was on the new Google Ads after about two weeks, and I didn't even remember the old one. So it was, it was kind of it's a bit like that for me, but at the same time. Google GA4 is a big step, um, and I think they've rolled it out earlier than they would have wanted to, um, because there is some discussion in the European courts about whether Google Analytics Universal is legal as a legal product, and so I think they've been forced to roll this out a little bit earlier than they um, uh, would have wanted, and I don't think they would have got rid of Universal Analytics um, so soon. Um, and it, it gives you some data, but it's it, it the way they are presenting the data is in a lot more. It's it's a lot more kind of like a piecemeal thing where you kind of have to build it yourself and show things and kind of like find what you want. Whereas Google Analytics Universal mm. was very much like everybody gets the same thing and we're going to show the same thing. So it's going to be a lot more about building your reports, uh, building the insights you want, and trying to find what you want to see. But we are still missing quite a lot of stuff in there like the the journeys that people take through uh, through the site and like the funnels and things like that and that there, there is like the path exploration and funnel exploration but it's nowhere near as easy as the old one to kind of get the the idea of what's happening and i think that that you're going to have to build a lot of the stuff that you actually want to see which mm. is it's just unfortunate because if you think about universal analytics there's only you know, if you look, at, if you're an average e-commerce person, you don't have time to kind of dive into it too much. And when we talk to the average e-commerce owner, they they look at Google Analytics and they understand it to a certain extent, but they haven't even dived into the advanced things in there, which are really easy. GA4 is going to be like that on steroids, and so it's mm. going, you're going to need to have someone who's pretty good at it to actually pull meaningful data out of it, and that's unfortunate. But there, there will be. I mean, it's obviously going to work better with uh, Google. Uh, uh, data studio and, and and there'll be lots of reports you can pull out of there but at the same time what i hate about any of these things when it rolls out is the discussion in social media and all the bollocks that comes out of it like when we do the you know when we move from the cookies and the, there's the gdpr and all that kind of stuff is i i now learn to kind of sit on the sidelines learn what i want to learn and watch it and then just let the let the discussion die down up until the point when it comes down to like, well, who wants to actually make money from e-commerce and work out what actually works? Because um, I don't know, you can get involved in these discussions and you can lose yourself and it's just completely mm. useless. So like, you know, there's a deadline and whenever there's a deadline, things get sorted, things get, things happen, things get better. Yeah, and, you do. And you there's, do. I mean, my, my, my my perspective on it on it all is that the, the the stats and the metrics that we talk about and the KPIs that we talk about are still going to be the same. Yeah, you know because they, you can't fundamentally change the maths. You know, you know the KPIs that we look at all the time are the backbone of e-commerce, and that they're not going to no. change. No. You know, and if they call something different, or you know, you have to go to a slightly different area, or you say, but basically this, the same framework will still apply. Yeah, I mean, the, the bounce rate is now place. becoming the engagement rate, slightly like opposite of bounce rate, with a few kind of things taken into it. But like, you know, the mm. add to basket rate will still be the same, and we only look at the bounce rate when the add to basket rate's not not where it needs to be. So we'll be looking at the engagement rate instead. It'll just have to be in a different 
context and we'll have different, slightly different um, yeah. uh, benchmarks for it. And um, we, we, we're working out. At the end of the day, we look at what we call the drop-by-drop report, which is our coal phase. It, that doesn't even use Google Analytics, even now. That, that's basically how much money I'm spending, what ROAS am I getting on new customers. That's still going to be the same, fundamentally. But we're going to use yeah. tools like GA4 to kind of give us some insights into it. But yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like an old dog at learning new tricks with GA4 at the moment. Um, I, I'm dipping into it every week, playing around with it, um, trying to find the bits that, that I want. And eventually we'll come out with some um, useful training on it that, uh, to, to kind of like take our stats and kind of put it into there. But I'm not going to do it too soon because, um, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, we want to be able to see year on year stats in it, but I'm not sure whether that, I, I don't know whether that's going to be massively useful because a lot of the stats that are in there now is changing and they're, they're adding new reports and, and a few things like that. And you're going to have a lot of the stats um, in there. I, I don't remember whether they're going to give you access to universal analytics for your past data. I imagine they would. They're going to turn it off completely. Mm. It'll just stop at a certain date won't it? So you'll be able to go and have a look yeah, at the overall sales yeah. and where people are moving around. You just might not have yeah. direct comparison. Yeah. But also at the same time, like look at COVID and the, the lockdowns. How useful was year on your comparisons to us last year? Yeah. It wasn't. It was completely useless and we didn't die. We didn't fall over. We had to look at the we had to yeah. look at the stats. So, you know, it's you'll still have your revenue from last year. You still have your visitors from last year. You still have your conversion from, like, from last yeah. year. You still have your average order value average from last order year. Value. You know, and then you can fill in target sheets. So it's not, it's like, if you think there's a magic bullet within Google AdWords, Google Analytics, you're, you're wrong. It's not where the magic is. It's, hmm. it's a tool, but it's not going to fundamentally change the business. So um, I can't even remember what the well, yeah. bloody question was now. I was on, on a rant. GA, GA4. Yeah. Just started me off, didn't you? Yeah, no, it's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, yeah, I completely, completely agree. Okay, so we're basically rest assured we'll be doing a podcast on it yeah. shortly, at some point when we decide. We're not going to be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Right. Next yeah. question. Uh, Nimble Kids from us. Nimble Kids Australia was asking about the, the main product page image. Yeah. And she was saying, you know, should the main product page image, the first one, should it be a hero, a studio, a mannequin, a lifestyle? You know, what works best? Is there a, is there a, is there a golden rule? Yeah, yeah. There. Well, we've done a lot of split tests on this over the years because that was one of the things we could do in e-commerce back in the day. We could actually do lots of split tests on this before, um, well, before even people knew what, what it was. And um, it, it's... It's different. It's different. Like, like we know one of the big uh, men's clothing companies we work with, they, they did a big split test on um, mannequins versus um, like the guy standing there with the suit on and versus uh, lifestyle. And they, obviously they spent a huge amount of money doing these catalog shoots and they wanted to make sure it was worth it. So they did, they did split tests on those and they found unfortunate for them that the, the catalog shoots were really worth it and they were, it made them more money. But my go-to now is 
um, to go to, I go to, go to Google shopping. So I go to Google shopping and I start searching for the search terms that, that I need to come up on and that, uh, that, that I want to go on. And I look at the top images that come up over and over. And obviously I want to come back week after week and have a look to check that's still the same because obviously one search is not, is not a, is not a research project. So you basically go and have a look and you'll start to see whether or not the top ads are using, um, uh, are using like lifestyle images or catalog images or close-up images because Google will put the products that get the highest click-through rate at the top um, of the uh, of the search listings, and those so those are the images that you probably want to be using and in that style. So that's my yeah. go-to, and that's where I would look first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense completely, and I think it's the same with with general yeah. imagery. You know, what's the product photography? Yeah, and like? I, I check that also. You like, know, if the Google Shopping image is a lifestyle image, and I click onto it, that it's the same on the on the product landing page. Because sometimes it might change. Yeah. But like, you look at you look yeah. at the top ones yeah. and what they're doing and how they how they're putting it together. Yeah, and then I would I would also say if you're going to do just loud water bottles oh, yeah, again, just dehydration. You have to mute yourself. <sighs> You have to mute it. So I would also say is that if before you go and invest in like, let's say you have, you know, 100 products and you're going to go and reshoot everything um, or you might be doing, let's do video, we're going to do video everything, just te- test it on one or two products, maybe six products, you know, and do just do a test and see what happens, you know, before you go and invest and change, radically change all your photography. You know, and sometimes you might say, well, we're going to pick a category, we're going to make this category, but I'm going to do a... You know, and well, you know, split testing it's hard, actually. But you can certainly do, you know, some before and afters and bounce rates. And Why do you say split tests? You know, to so go and split test testing. it. Well, because, well, because sometimes you know, if you, let's say you've got a category, and you've got you know twenty products in that collection, um, if you ch- if you change one of the images, it, it means your collection yeah. looks crap. You know, if it's not consistent and um, we had to do yeah we had to do it with the CSS sad, rule, met, didn't we in the code split test yeah yes we did it's yeah. quite a bit of a faff so we did do it we managed to split test the whole thing properly which was a bit of a faff and I don't think we've ever done that before right but what we mean is that when when you land on the collection page you know we managed to split test it so that you know the images one of them was a hero lifestyle shot and one of them was yeah. a studio so like the second one shot. was a studio shot the and first one was lifestyle shot yeah. and when they landed on the page yeah this flipped it to take the second image instead of the first image and that and that's that's what it did yeah 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 and you know what it wasn't as conclusive as we mm. thought actually you know we obviously thought well of course the lifestyle shot would be better but it, it was much closer it wasn't mm. that much in it yeah but it was still much. It was still stronger yeah. than the lifestyle. Yeah, it still was. Um, but I think the other one is. I remember with another another e-commerce brand. I think they were selling shoes, and they were going to go and do um, lots of fancy videos for each product. They had you know hundreds of shoes. And they were about to go mm. and do it and invest, you know, tens of thousands of pounds on on lots of video, and. Um, and we said, well, before you do that, just test it on on one or mm. two products, which they did, and they split tested it. So we had a video on the product page, and uh, the products with the video on reduced conversion rate significantly because it wasn't the right video and it was just wrong and it it just mm. didn't look that good. 
so obviously that was the answer then to say, well, no, let's not do that. So test it on test it on one or two yeah. points first. Yeah, you know, that easy. Awesome. Before you go and commit to doing your video, right? Next question. Last question. Last question. Is I think so. Is it the last yeah. one? Yeah, it is. Um, well, Becky was asking about Pinterest, yeah. and and I mean, you know, I actually don't know the context of the question actually because I didn't. I've just written it down, but you know, I don't know what she was I know selling. What she's selling. But when have, when have we yes. seen she sells? Yeah. She, she runs a company called Motor Motorbike Cosmetics Motorbike. Hang on, Motorbike as Cosmetics. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Um, yeah, she goes motor, Motorbikers. It's called Motorbikers.cc. And she's Motorbikers Cosmetic Company, and she sells um, okay. things like massage balms and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool stuff, actually. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, so she was asking about Pinterest. When when have we seen? Yeah, she's asking about Pinterest. And you know what we were saying the other day about how you know sometimes. Well, actually, it was this morning. Actually, we were talking in one of the level two groups. We were saying you know don't feel like you need to do all the channels all mm. the time. You know, and often you can get quite, you can get to, you know, some big, big, big numbers, you know, five, 10, 20 million turnover by just doing one channel really, really well rather than trying to dilute yourself and go, oh, I've got to be on TikTok, I've got to be doing Instagram, mm. I've got to be doing Pinterest and just doing, trying to do everything all over the place. And it's, it, you become just, just yeah. exhausted. And, you know, you just don't get the return. You're better off focusing on the channel that works, even though, you know, the, the you know, the whole, story you hear is you know don't put all your eggs mm. in one basket but actually we've done that for our entire career of launching e-commerce brands we've often said you know what this is a google shopping business so we've really focused on that or we, this well, is a Facebook you can add complex business, so, business so easy without adding value but and that that's the biggest thing you, you want to be you aware can. of like, in can. terms of burnout you think you're doing all this stuff but if you add it in the wrong way you can add more and more stuff Without getting really incremental sales, you'll hit the you'll hit the uh, yeah. the ceiling of the the growth, and you'll be you'll you'll be burnt well, you out it, because you, you know, can't you've like, got no capacity to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. it's like being a busy um, fool. It's being a busy fool. So how do we know if pin if Pinterest is is a busy fool job, or it's really it's really important? So when have we seen well, Pinterest my, working well? Here's my here's my go to on Pinterest. So like Pinterest. Over the years, like if if I had natural sales coming from Pinterest without really any effort, so when I was looking at Cox and Cox about 15 years ago, Cox and Cox had loads of Pinterest sales coming in naturally. So it made sense to kind of go and lean on Pinterest and do more on Pinterest because it was like it was showing uh, sales. Whereas if I've got a company where it's got no interest in Pinterest at all and never getting sales from it, then I'd be like, well. You know, I'm not going with the flow of the river, or I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not doing anything. Obviously, if you've got very nice imagery, then Pinterest is going to work really well. The the only thing about that is that Pinterest had a big change in how it sends uh, sends organic traffic to to the site uh, over the last 12 months, and we saw that with a couple of companies in homeware where they used to get a lot of organic traffic from Pinterest. And that has kind of dried up and, and not dried up completely, but reduced significantly. And the Pinterest has most recently been trying to monetize their platform a lot more and drive a lot more revenue out of the, out of the traffic they've got. And actually, it's become, 
it's become a lot crapper. If you've ever been to Pinterest, if you look at the homepage of Pinterest now, it's really spammy now compared to what it was. It used to be this kind of beautiful aesthetic place to discover stuff. And that's still there when you do the searches. But from a, um, a, a, like a starting point of view, it's, there's a lot of crap on there, which is a shame. Um, but obviously they're trying to, you know, they're trying to, uh, uh, grow the, grow the, the value of the company and all that kind of stuff and, and, and monetize it more. But, um, you know, I do have some companies that have done very well on Pinterest advertising. One that did well was, um, someone that sold, uh, coffee shop signs. It was kind of like a, you know, a kind of coffee shop that's kind of like a, a hipster kind of style coffee shop with kind of cool signs and cool menus and tables and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and they sold those, those menus and all that kind of look and the, the things that you would have in that kind of coffee shop. And they, they did really well from Pinterest. And the reason they did really well is because if, if you've got a project, Pinterest is a good place to go and have a look. So if you wanted to kind of like design your coffee shop, you go onto Pinterest and look mm. what was there. So that, that made a lot of sense. So if you think about your business and think about whether people are discovering your type of products there, and that's one of the main things that Pinterest does, and you align with that, then it makes sense. So, for example, when I was designing this studio at the end of my garden that I'm sitting in at the moment, I was on Pinterest a lot because I was looking at different studios, looking at different finishes, looking at different furniture. But the problem with that, you know, being in New Zealand, there's none of it was available to me. I couldn't, I couldn't buy it from Pinterest. So it was useless. But if I was in the UK um, or America and I was doing that, probably most likely I'd be able to go buy that ready-made studio for me um, to come and add to to my garden, and therefore for those people, that would be a great place yeah. to to advertise because that's where the discovery is being done. You know what I think? Yeah, I think that's the key of it. That's the key thing. There is it's that where does the discovery start for your mm. type to your type of product? You know, so if you're if you're selling other people's products, let's say you're selling, you know, you're a reseller of you know carpet shampoo mm. cleaners. Um, well, Pinterest probably isn't going to be the place for you because probably you already decided what carpet shampoo cleaners they want or a blog article or YouTube tutorial of which ones to buy. Yeah, where the discovery yeah. and is, you'll see that Pinterest ads, there are a lot it? of those kind of before and after things now that, you know, like here's the cleaner, it is the carpet before and after. And like if you did advertise on Pinterest for carpet cleaning, you'd have to do mm. one of those kind of like um, almost like shopping TV kind of style commercials where you go, we took a carpet completely covered in mud and now it's completely clean and here's the ad before and after. And it's like those kind of adverts and it's whether or not that's yeah. your style of whether or not you you want to go down that because you've kind of got, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's... Well, you know what? With those sort of things, right, with, with that sort of example there, what I think people tend to do is... You know, there's a lot of discovery that goes on for mm. you know, for carpet cleaners there. And you know, in my my perspective, I let I think you let other people do the discovery, and mm. then you get in the way of the traffic when they've already done that discovery. That's always the yeah. easiest thing to do because you're trying to convince somebody to buy a product, and, they, and you know that they already want that product. You're not trying to convince somebody to buy a, this carpet cleaner over that carpet cleaner. You, they, you know, and I think that's a mistake people often make is they they try and convince people to buy the different carpet cleaners rather than trying to convince them to buy the carpet cleaner from you. But that's a yeah. whole different so question. It's, it's, but it's it? like, you know, like bringing on these behemoths of, of Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, Pinterest ads, 
there is a really big learning curve to all of those. And um, it's, you know, you can't, you can't do all of them well all at once. You can't bring them all up, all at once because it's, yeah. it is difficult. Like if I was going to do it for the demo site, I'd have to drop everything for a couple of weeks and learn how to sell bedding on TikTok. And that, that, that's, a, I mean, that's a big chunk of my time gone. And if I can get the ROAS I want and I can scale with Google Ads, which I can at the moment, why should I be doing that? That's not, that's not necessary to my targets. There's so much, there's so many, there's so much, so many mm. more low hanging fruits yeah. on there. You know, so much more that you can do. And I think, do you know what the analogy was? I think, I don't know whether or not you used it. I think it probably was you quite good at analogies, but often, you know, you imagine you've got a store, a physical shop and you've got customers in the shop, you know, and there's loads of customers in the shop. They're all mulling around. Some of them, are, some of them are picking products up, putting it in the basket, just walking over to the tills and you're ignoring them. And you're outside of the shop trying to get people, you're w- walking down the, the end of the high street trying, with a sign, mm. trying to get people in the shop. You've already yeah. got people in the shop. You should be focusing on the people that are almost buying, the ones that are almost buying, you know, nudging them along. So that's where your yeah. f- time is always going to be, in my opinion. That's where, that's, where the, that's where the easy opportunity is. Not faffing around trying to, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'll go down that street and put a sign. You know, it's just, it, you know, it, just look at look at there's no you know look at look what's yeah. in front of you look at the opportunity you've got people in the shop your conversion rate of two percent which means 98 percent of people probably into yeah. your shop are not buying focus on the next half yeah. a percent you know you've got to get, get your target two, two and a half to look where you two, need to two, be two and a half. get where you want to be and then clap yourself on the back clap yourself on the back pat yourself on the back and say well done that's where i wanted to be <laughs> you know <laughs> like i yeah I'd like to see yeah, you clapping yourself. There's a yoga move where you have to put like the prayer behind the back, and I can't do that. Just dreadful. So unflexible. Oh dear, mm. I digress. Anyway, I, I've kept you up late, and so you, sh- you better go and um, see your fa- see your family. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the questions, Appreciate guys. Um, Thanks, keep listening and let us know you, how you're getting on. If you haven't, haven't joined our Facebook group, please do. And uh, yep, yeah, speak to you all soon.